back then it was a defect, you know, because mm. if I showed any amount of vulnerability, in an, you know, with my older siblings and friends at school, you got crucified for it. Hello, I am Joel Ingram, and this is Crisis to Crushing It podcast. Let's dive into this week's talk, and I'll help to increase perspective, expand perception, and allow you to change your reality. Enjoy the show. Okay, so today on the show, we have Chris Brennan, founder and director of the design and build company Custom, and co-author of the Vegan Build Cookbook and Nutritional Guide. Chris, welcome to the show. Joel, it's a pleasure to be here. Now, you and I bumped into each other in an event in London, and it was a bit of a unusual first introduction, <laughs> if anything. Yeah. But I basically photobombed your video. <laughs> um, I knew that I needed to make uh, an Instagram post for the event, and I knew that I had to do it before I left the building, and I saw you making, uh, making a sort of video, and I just thought, I'm just going to... Jump in. I, I don't know why I jumped into your video, uh, but I did. I'm glad you did. Because I, 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 I immediately resonated with your energy. So it was, it was great. So, yeah, I'm glad you actually decided to do that. Yeah, no, so, we I mean, because it's, it's, triggered, um, it's triggered a few, a chain of events for me, you know, doing that. Um, I've been wanting to do something with Ryan Rose and London Real and... I was getting some serious resistance from myself. Something was holding me back. And I'm not entirely sure what it was. Maybe we can get into that later because I think I figured it out by the end. Okay. And it was something considerably deeper than what I thought that was holding me back. Okay, cool. Right, so tell us a little bit about what have you got going on right now then? So yeah, I've got shitload going on right now. I feel like I may have over-manifested of late. Um, uh, so... I'm actually in the Alps at the moment. Um, nice. So part of our business, in fact, a large part of our business renovates ski chalets um, in the French Alps. Um, and so I'm there at the moment finishing uh, a couple of projects that we have on this year. It's this time of year when we work kind of 10, 12, 15 hours a day. We work every day of the week because we have to get finished for the beginning of the ski season. We have a lot of snow here, man, and we have a lot of snow coming in. So it is, I mean, that just makes it even more difficult. Um, and then on top of that, I signed up for a Speak to Inspire course with London Real, which is pushing me, man. So I'm like, you know, the last few nights, I'm up till like one, two in the morning, practicing public speaking. And then I'm getting up at like five o'clock in the morning because I've got to drive three hours to Geneva to pick up materials for a job here, um, you know? So it's like, running on a small amount of sleep and, you know, getting a lot done. And then I've got other things going on at home, but they're kind of a little bit on hold at the moment. Um, you know, I've got my kids and my family back there. We have the progression of the book back there, which is exciting because there's been some, um, there's been some things come in, which uh, could be exciting. We could be potentially on the verge of a publishing deal. Um, nice. And then we're also buying some land back home to try and build a sort of off-grid home. And yeah, I mean, we got, I got so many things going on. But, but that yes, sounds super go. exciting. Yes, it's all super exciting stuff. I just got to make sure that I stay super focused, make sure I do all of the things um, that I know 
make you a fitter, stronger, faster, and more creative person in life. And if I stay on top of those, then I can stay on top of the game. Okay. Now you've got me curious now. So what's those things for you? So one of the things that I would do in the UK and I haven't done as much here is cold water swimming. Um, it's minus 10 outside temperature here and there is a river. Is that the one you jumped in? I to say that I haven't been in it yet. Um, huh. I'm desperate to go in it because I'm, I, I don't want to do it so much. I feel like I've really got to do it. Um, but I get up early. I do my exercises. I do, just to stay on top of it, I do, I do 100 squats and I do 75 push-ups. And that's enough to get me started. Then I have a cold shower. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't drink or anything like that. So I can stay clean like that. I need to get six hours sleep. Um, yeah, so, I mean, at the moment... I'm not doing much more than that. Normally back home, I'd be doing considerably more, you know, I'm, uh, I haven't even got any bloody crystals with me, which is crazy. Like I would normally have at the very least a crystal in my pocket left with left without any crystals, man. So what's that all about? I haven't even got any essential oils. So I'm just winging it at the moment. Do you know what? I and mean, this is funny. This time I even forgot to bring any underpants. I have one set of underpants. Yeah. I mean, that's the first time I've done that, but yeah, and um, you know, it's resistance though, isn't it? You know, can't start, can't start complaining about that. Last that town. <laughs> no, it's uh, well, it just shows your head somewhere else. Ah, oh, well, that's it. You've got to go have priorities really in life, and clearly, having spare underpants had dropped so far down my list of priorities. Actually, that it didn't even register. <laughs> it made me wonder then about like if that sort of like a subconscious message if you can forget your pants your crystals and your essential oils how, how important are they like you know <laughs> clearly i can live without them you know? <laughs> but i'm with you on the crystals friend i get what you're saying i'm missing the crystals more than i am the underpants <laughs> <laughs> yeah cool man okay so tell us a little bit about when you were younger because i mean you didn't just get to this point where you're this successful uh, custom builder, uh, author, join me vegan, all, got all this good stuff going on. You didn't just suddenly arrive here. So what's, what's the, take us back to your childhood. What sort of stories and memories does that evoke for you? Do you know, I think one of the things, because in order to be a sort of entrepreneur or a businessman at this level, you need a certain level of discipline and motivation. And one of the things that I did passionately as a kid was judo. Um, and when I was sort of 12, 13, I was doing judo more than school. And I peaked at about 14 when I came fourth in the British Open. So, I mean, I was, I was really doing martial arts to a super high standard. Um, and that involved a lot of training weekends away, which were brutal, you know? I didn't really want to do them. And that definitely... That definitely helped me to figure out how much motivation I have actually got and how much perseverance I've got. Um, so I was doing that. Another thing as well that I think I, I clearly had a, a real entrepreneur, entrepreneurial spirit from a very early age. I can remember my dad used to work for Bird's Iron Walls and we had a... We, he used to bring home customer samples all the time. I mean, we had five chest freezers full of frozen food 
everything that you would get in the supermarkets and the entire walls range. And I can remember I would hang around the ice cream van at school, kind of gauging what everybody was buying. Uh, and then I would approach everybody and sort of say, you know, I can get you for this, get this for you at half the price you paid the ice cream van. And then I would take these big orders and then at lunchtime I would pop home. I only lived over the road and I would come back with this box full of ice creams and I'd be making like four or five quid on the side, you know, and the ice cream van guy would have lynched me if he did, you know, if he'd have found out. But, you know, I had it from the start. I don't know whether it was the independence I was wanting, whether it was the thrill of making money or I don't know, but it was there. It was definitely there from an early age. That's cool. Okay. I like, I mean, my, my boy is showing similar sorts of signs of taking sweets into school to sell, even though it's, it's banned. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah uh, How old's your boy? He's 14. Shit. My boy's 15. Is he? <laughs> yeah. And he's the same, you know, he is, he's done a few quite cool things, you know, uh, he used to make these little pens with a, an elastic band that fired like a little gun. Oh yeah. And the kids at school were wanting them. I can, he came home and told me the story about this one boy that was wanting to buy it off. And he's like, no, it's not for sale. It's just for me. And then later the guy would be like, come on, I really want to buy it. He's like, no, I, it's not for sale. It's not a sale object. Finally, he sold it to the guy for like £2.50 and it was just a ballpoint pen that he'd actually nicked from school anyway. So I was like, <laughs> my boy, good lad. <laughs> you don't want to stunt their creative spirit, do you? No, absolutely. You do not. <laughs> okay, cool. So, I mean, so when you were younger and you think of all the lessons that you've learned, uh, what sort of lessons do you think have taken you longest to learn? Oh. I mean, there's probably one that I'm still really trying to learn. Um, so I was brought up in a household full of women. I had my mother, who was a real strong matriarch, two older sisters, five and seven years older than me. My auntie Liz, who was around a lot, she was a bit of a dragon. And then my dad was around, but he, he you know, he was um, he's very kind of mild-mannered, calm. He was not, you know, the sort of strong character needed to be amongst all them women. And... I think what has happened is, and I'm doing a lot to get over this, I developed this kind of, not fear of women, but fear of upsetting women. Um, and that really, that really took hold in my relationships. Like, didn't have it at all with guys. So actually what I did was I didn't have many relationships in my sort of teens and 20s because I was just like, oh, bloody women, they're a fucking nightmare. They're just going to like, you know, they're just going to give me a hard time. They're going to make me feel guilty. Um, and I didn't even realize that this was an, an issue. And I didn't realize that this was a lesson in life that I needed to learn and get over. And it wasn't until I met my present partner now, who is, she, I mean, she's my soulmate, man. She's the girl that, she's the girl that I fantasized about being with when I was 16 years old. You know, and I'm stoked that I found it, but it took me until I was pretty much 40 to do so. Um, and I've had to, you know, I've had to delve into quite a lot of therapy to get through this. Mm. Um, so that's a lesson that I, you know, I had some real heartbreaks early on that, that, that made me feel very emotionally frail. And I, and I was very scared that I was never going to have you know, the emotional strength to have a good relationship. 
Um, but I have, I have got it, and but I had to, I had to find it. it. It was a lesson, I think, that a house full of women were unable to teach me. That was a lesson that I needed to learn either myself or by being around kind of men that, that had been in the situation. So, um, and I still have it a bit. I'm still working on it, but yeah, that's probably the one that's taken me the fucking longest to learn. I'm with you. So something you said then sort of piqued me was um, using guilt. Now I can relate to that because my mother used to use that with me. Um, and in the same sense, I'm, I, this taking me a long time to get to the, I, no doubt there's still remnants there. Yeah. But it does, it impacts you. And it's, have you, have you, can you lay it down to specifically guilt or is it just a multitude of things that women bring to the situation? I would say it's largely the guilt aspect of it that has been the bit that I've been struggling with. And my mother, God bless her, we're super close and she's been a fantastic mother. But she uses guilt as a discipline method. And actually, that's not a good way to discipline. It might seem like a good way to discipline mm. at the time, but it definitely isn't. And, you know, I still get it a little bit. You know, just earlier this week, you know, I'm, I'm away from home. So ringing my girlfriend, me and her are super tired and I'm kind of so tired. And there's no point in ringing your partner when you're that tired because you can't fully engage and connect and chat. Yeah. I was ringing out of a sense of duty because I felt, and then I'm hanging on the line because I felt guilty and I'm, I'm being fucking useless, man. To the point that, you know, I had to apologize the next day for, she was like, man, just ring me up and say, I just wanted to say hi, but I'm absolutely knackered. So I don't want to hang around. I want to get an early night. So I'm, I've said hi, see you later. Man, I can't do that. I have this sort of sense of guilt. I'm like, oh, I've got to hang on the line, keep talking. So, you know, it's still sort of, it's still there. I don't have it at all with guys, at all. I have no problem. I have no problem saying what I mean to guys. I don't worry about them being pissed off with me or anything, but with women, I worry about them being pissed off. So, so what, what is it about them being pissed off that you feel you need to give them? Because obviously there's some sort of exchange there. Reminds me of being a kid. It yeah. reminds me, takes me back to when I felt that potentially the love that I was getting from them and needed from them was partly conditional, you know, so I had to make sure, even though it totally wasn't, but I'd have to make sure that I did certain things, you know, um, I must say, you know, two older sisters growing up as siblings, they can be manipulative, man. But I, you know, I'm, I'm just a young boy. I can remember being called stupid boy all the time. And like, I'd want to go to the park or I'd want to go out to play. And of course, my sisters would be asked to take them, take Chris down the park. They'd be like, come on then, you stupid boy. And then the whole way, it's just this big, you know, just making me feel guilty for wanting to go to the park. So I'm, like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know? yeah. I never thought, I never thought once about this till about three or four years ago. You know, I think uh, I made a couple of decisions in my life maybe six years ago i think it coincided with my with my going vegan i quit drinking for a year i still drink on occasion now but i cut it completely out for a year i'd met my partner the previous year and i was i was in i was experiencing a spiritual reawakening 
I say reawakening because I was spiritually awake in my 20s because I traveled in my 20s. And I was traveling sort of all over the world. I spent time in Australia and Asia and Mexico and Europe. And, and I, was, I was spiritually awake then. But then when I had my children with my ex-wife, me and her get on fine now. But she was not the right person for me to be having a relationship. And all of a sudden, my spirituality was, it, it was crushed. And it was, um, a man, I needed it back. So I got it back. I started to re-engage with it about five years ago. And that was the point when I started to really look at the things that potentially I needed to sort out in life. And this is where I, I got, got on track with this problem I had with, with women, towards women. It's, nothing, it's not their fault. It's, not, it's, it's nothing they can fix. It's not me saying that women are in some way manipulative or, or deliberately make men feel guilty. It's got nothing to do with that. This was my own internal battle that I had. So even had some therapy. I've never had therapy in my life. Not that type of therapy. And my, me and my girlfriend split up once. And um, it was to do with this. And she suggested, in fact, I was, I was seeing my chiropractor. And he said to me, I was explaining to him, yeah, split up with my girlfriend. He knows her as well. Um, he said, you had any therapy? And I was like, no, I've never had any therapy. And I come from the north of England. That's to me. You know, I'm a bloke. It wasn't, it wasn't in my schedule. And he just sort of looked at me and he went, man, you're nearly, what, 40 years old and you haven't had any therapy. He says, I'm hardly surprised you split up with your girlfriend. So he gave me a card of a therapist. And I went to see this therapist and I chatted to her about love. Do you know what else cropped up, which is funny? So I was brought up in the 80s, hmm. basically with a TV in every room of the house. There was a TV in the kitchen. There was a TV in all the bedrooms. We had two living rooms, TVs everywhere on all the time and freaking movies playing all the time so the type of movies that were on as well were chick flicks because there was no guys in my house so i didn't watch star wars we didn't watch anything like that we watched an officer and a gentleman dirty dancing we watched flash jam flash dance i mean so i'm absorbing all of this in my informative years so i'm absorbing this ridiculous fairy tale version of love you know, that this sort of sickly and in some ways sickening version of love. So that was my blueprint for what I was expecting. And the therapist had kind of, that's what she was drawing from it. She was like, man, you've been brought up by TV, you know? So that was a real, that made a lot of sense. That was a real eye opener to me. Not yeah. only by TV, I've been brought up by 1980s chick flicks. Yeah, I can, I can relate, not so much to but that, but certainly to the perspective of my mother used to read a lot. So she was, um, so my father was like in work a lot, 12 hour, 13 hour days. And then the magazines, but I found myself when I was of an age of reading, I'd be reading her magazines. And then you read in the gossip column and the agony ants and all yeah. these men have done all these different things. And I'm thinking, I'm never going to be that type of man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, but that stuff goes deep. Like you said, it's formative. You, you don't realize... Yeah, Ain't got any choice back then. No. no. I mean, what I've learned in recent years about um, how we learn when we're, our brains are in the theta state between one and age seven, mm. I didn't know that when I was bringing my kids up between ages one and age seven, which is a shame. Now, I don't know if I would have done anything differently because life is what it is, you know, and, and I feel like I brought them up pretty well, but I just didn't know that. I would definitely feel like I would have done some things differently 
you know, this is stuff that's only been brought to sort of, you know, public attention in the last few years, really. Yeah. No, we're so, the same. Uh, our eldest 14 and 13, they've, they've had a different upbringing to the seven-year-old who's homeschooled. Yeah. And we, we won't have anybody because of the, because of those things and because of my background now in NLP, like I, I won't have anybody putting limitations on anybody in the house. Yeah. Verbally or physically. It just, it's not on <laughs> because no. you don't know where down the line that's going to sow, you know, that's going to sow a seed for future, you know? No, absolutely. Um, are you noticing a difference in any way? I mean, is that something you would notice between the way, between the behavior of, or, or not the behavior, because it wouldn't be a behavioral issue, be an outlook issue potentially of the seven-year-old and the 14-year-old? Yeah, um, certainly the 15-year-old is very pessimistic. Do you know what I mean? He's very uh, looking on the worst that could happen, whereas my daughter is and, and, and there's, a, there's a split to this. So my, my first, my son, my first eldest son, he spent a lot of time with my parents because they were excited to be grandparents. Yeah. So there was always a case of when can we have him? When can we have him? And then that turned into, oh, we should, we don't want him to go, but we feel like he, we want them to have him for the night. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then there's that sort of, that, that energy exchange, which is based around guilt, which my boy has picked up on. Sure. Uh, and then my daughter is the one that we obviously had most because they didn't have two babies, <laughs> but she's, she's different fit, different kettle of fish. She's very level. She can, she's very logical. Whereas my son is very emotional. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy how it works. Um, and the youngest one is just a, a complete wild, <laughs> complete wild yeah. card. Sometimes that freaks me out a bit because he's like a little bit too wild, but at the same time, I like his, I, I like his inner passion, you know, he's, yeah. he's not afraid to be, like, if he was to see some of his fr uh, friends his age running around with a pair of pants on their head, outside, they might have trouble with it, but he'd got no problem because he's in his own little world, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I totally know what you're saying. I mean, our kids are pretty feral as well, you know, man? I walk barefoot as well, pretty much all the time. I mean, like I said, it's minus 10 out here now, so I can't, but I would, I mean, I walk barefoot. I've done for years and so my feet are really, really tough, but my kids do as well, especially my daughter. Um, so they're all pretty feral and I've brought them up really embracing that feral, um, that feral environment. I like little gypsies in many ways, which I love, you know, that, that's what I wanted before my, before my first son Bowie was born. I wanted to call him Furious. That was the name I wanted to give my son. Shortens to Fury, uh, which has got sort of nice Irish connotations. I've got family, you know, got family in Ireland. Um, but their mother, who's my ex-wife now, she's not, she was not going for Furious. I can't really blame her, eh? Um, I quite like it. Um, but, but Bowie's an amazing kid. And actually, when, when I made that video with you at the London Real Summit, one of the things I said, because one of the questions was, what do you think that you've been put on this planet to do? I think it was something like that, wasn't it? The third question, what do you think you're here for? Yeah. And what I said was that one of the things that I felt I was here was to be like a mentor and a role model to the next generation, mainly my children. And when I went back home and sort of re-engaged with my kids, what I realized was that my son Bowie was also a fantastic teacher. And I was learning some great things from him. 
And I don't just mean I was learning sort of some wonderful life lessons that you learn from children because they've still got that childlike mentality. I mean, I was learning actual things. He taught me how to do a back somersault. Christ, you know, he's a tricker. So he does all these, you know, I don't know if you've heard of tricking, but it's, it's a bit like, it's a cross between breakdancing and capoeira, you know. So they do, they do these battles and they do these amazing tricks. Um, and, he, and he actually taught me how to do a back, back handspring. Um, and, I'm, and he's been teaching me a number of other things. And it, it, it was just really great that I noticed it after I'd said, yeah, I think the main reason I'm here is to teach the kids. And then I was like, shit, maybe I'm here to learn from the kids. Maybe I've got it completely wrong. So preoccupied as adults and parents to be constantly teaching and being a mentor and a role model, we forget to look at the next generation who are bringing something new, mm. you know, and maybe reversing the roles a little bit. Yeah, it's see, it's like you just said, it's a role within as parents, which we think we always have to guide and show. But some like sometimes you just need to be able to step back and and listen and observe. And that's, that, that's, depending on your take and where you stand on masculinity, that, that can be difficult. Do you know what I mean? Even if you're caught up in the, the run of life, it can be difficult if you've got stuff on your mind and just no, being present enough. Probably, yeah, that can be when it's most difficult because you kind of, what's the word? You, you just don't pay attention properly, eh? You're just like, yeah, whatever, you know, um, but... You know, I have a pretty close relationship with my kid, with both my kids, and Bo's, Bo's a, I mean, I can, I know that he's an impressive kid. I know he's my own kid, and people would all say that, but he's different. He's impressive, so I know I've got shit to learn from him. So that's but nice yeah, that you can look at it that way. Yeah, I mean, that's exciting me actually. That's one of the things that I'm really excited about in life is my future relationship with my kids, like the, the sort of non-parent-child relationship, but more the creative working relationship that we may have. I love the idea of that. That's cool, man. I like that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly a gift to be able to do that. And it's something I'm going to take away from this is, is that very thing you just said. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Right, let's wrap it up. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. So something else you mentioned um, when we was on, a, on, on the form that you filled in was um, – I asked you if life was to be happening for you, not to you, what lessons were you gifted? One of them you mentioned was self-conscious. Um, where, what, what caused, so my question to you is how, how did you pursue becoming more self-conscious, uh, less self-conscious? I was very self-conscious, you know, in my signs, in my star signs, I've got a lot of water signs. That makes me very emotional. So I am naturally very emotional and naturally very sensitive. Now, from a very early age, that I saw that as being like my Achilles heel. I didn't think it was a very good thing to be. I thought it was a character defect. I'm now later in life learning that it isn't and it should be embraced. But back then it was a defect, you know, because mm. if I showed any amount of vulnerability, in an, you know, with my older siblings and friends at school, you got crucified for it. Now, the other thing that I was and am is an extrovert and somewhat of an exhibitionist. Now, that was, you know, from an early age, again, when I wanted to sort of do, you know, come out and, you know, perform or, you know, 
sort of get the center of attention. That was, that was knocked back at me in a very negative way. That was sort of said, look, you're a show off and all of these things. So I would get very self-conscious about doing those things. And that was actually looking back very damaging because that was, that was blocking my, one of my main natural tendencies. Um, so I would get very, very self-conscious. I can remember time. So I can remember one time vividly. It's funny how things stick in your mind. And I was in the scouts, yeah? And we, um, we had a good scout group. I even went to the sort of scout jamboree in Japan and Korea. I mean, I was a big part of the scouting movement. And some of my best friends today are still part of the scouts. So we'd been out on parade, St. George's Day or something. And we were all, you know, in our uniform and everything. And, and there was a picture taken. And I was in it, quite clearly in it. And it was the picture then appeared in the Huddersfield Examiner. Now I went to, in contrast, I went to a relatively rough school and scouts did not have a very good reputation within that school, you know, and I kept it a little bit low key. And of course, when this picture came out, I was horrified. And, and I can remember my sisters going, ah, oh, you're in the paper in your uniform. And I got so angry and I ripped it all up and I had this real meltdown, like a proper meltdown. That's why I can still remember it. Cause I'm like, man, that's not good. That reaction that you've just had, is not good um you know what does that mean that and, and what i decided was not you should just embrace that you're a sensitive person see where it takes you but you have got to now hide your sensitivity for the rest of your life man that has been difficult now i'm allowed to lay it out because i've become self-conscious and i understand and love myself enough like know who i am enough to let it out let it be but back then and for sort of a large part of my life i have had to keep that under wraps man and you, you can feel the sensitivity sometimes coming in and it's like no you got you can't, you're not allowed to have a reaction to that um so yeah and i i um i was you know uh, i did performing arts and theater studies and things like that so i was definitely still putting myself in the situation but I had so many doubts about myself you know, I, I really wanted to be good at acting, but I just didn't think that I was. So that I was, I was just sabotaging myself the whole time, man. Now, I wonder if that was to do with my upbringing. I wonder if I'd have had a more sort of Steiner homeschool version, similar to what you've just described that you're doing, where there's no boundaries placed, you know, especially within the household on what you can and can't achieve. Maybe I would have, you know, really gone into that, but I was too self-conscious. I didn't want to fail didn't want to not look cool. I didn't want to, you know, all of these things that, that just, that just make it so difficult. Yes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, I was just thinking about the word self-conscious. It's got a real negative connotation, even, even though when you actually break it down, it's just, just occurred to me, like it's just being conscious of self, just know. being, aware, you know, self-aware. Exactly. But we, so it should have incredible incredibly positive connotation <laughs> yeah, massive. i mean that surely that's what we're all striving to fucking be yeah. self-conscious yeah i was like man i gotta i gotta hide this you know this um because i can really remember that reaction that way over the top reaction of me getting so upset over just this simple photograph of me in the paper in a scout uniform i didn't want to experience that anymore didn't like that at all mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I had to, you, you just hide it, you just hide it. And 
just pretend you're not sensitive. I mean, what's that all about? I mean, if it would just flare up like you got really drunk or something, you'd end up sobbing in tears over something, really. You know, mm. man, I'm understanding now. And actually, I owe a lot of this to my partner, Emily, because I was in danger of putting the same constraints on my son. Like, because he's sensitive too. And sometimes he would come with a problem and he'd be in tears. And I'd be like, look, well, look, let's start by not crying. Eh? You know, don't just cry over this. And then we can talk about it. But this isn't the right time for tears, I'd say. Well, what's that all about? What was I thinking? You know, it's fortunate enough for me that Emily spotted it early enough and was able to say, do you know what? You've got to let your boy cry. And if he starts, if you start teaching him that it's not all right to cry, he's going to have some fucking problems later in life. I mean, that's, that's probably partly the reason why there's so many problems with male mental health at the moment is because they were told they weren't allowed to cry. Shit, you can't cry. You can't get it off your chest, can you? So I was able to nip it in the bud, go back to Bo, kind of um, explain where I'd gone wrong. Um, and not long afterwards, he came, you know, he was doing a paper round or something and it was such a, such a bad day. He came in, just came through the door and he was just crying and I just went, come here. And I, and I gave him a big hug. That, that's what you do if your son's crying. You don't say, stop fucking crying, do you? Yeah. So, but that's how I was brought up. You were probably brought up in a similar way. Exactly the same way. Yeah. <laughs> but there's implications to that. I mean, because if, if, if your dad's saying, and I've had this conversation with my father, uh, and, and they get very defensive, even though I'm good with it. Do you know what I mean? It's, I'm, I'm past. I've, they turned me into the person I am. So what they did, they did. But I, and I'm good with that. I've squared that. But then when you go back and revisit with it, you know, revisit that with them, it's, it, it can be taken very personally. Um, but I'm trying to, you know, even going into them saying, look, this is not an attack. You know, they've asked me a question. I'm like, I'm just telling you my take. You know, when someone's telling you, uh, shouting at you to stop crying, because that person doesn't know how to help you. He, he wants to fix that right now. Yeah, and the way he thinks he's if he stops you crying, therefore you are getting closer to being fixed. Yeah, you know, and and my dad was exactly the same. He's old school. Yeah, you know, you know, he, he had the belt and stuff off his dad. So yeah, it's no, absolutely and shit. I mean, you know, I grew up in a wait till your mother gets home household. My mother was oh, doing <laughs> yeah, man, and and my mates were my mates were more scared of my mother than they were of their own father. I mean, and she was a, she was a tyrant in her day. She was, I mean, she won't watch this podcast. Look, I'm already, I'm already worried about my mother hearing what I'm about to say, but man, I got a couple of beatings off my mother, man. You know, where she'd get, she, I can remember in the kitchen and you know, her hands hurting. So she's looking around for, for something she can grab to start continue hitting me with, you know, that's how it was. Um, but that didn't, that didn't bother me. That didn't affect me. That, that, that wasn't the problem stuff. It was the more, it was the stuff we've already talked about. That was like, like the guilt and those things. Those are the things that really get stuck in the old, yeah. in the construct, you know? Yeah. Um, my, my parents get fucking defensive about it as well. If you, if you bring it in, oh, well, that's how we did it back then. We didn't know any better, you know? And that, hey, that's true. That's all right. I've had a good upbringing. I owe them everything that I've achieved and that every, you know, the person I've become. So, you know, I don't hold any grudges at all. No. But it was definitely like that. Yeah. 
It's, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, going back to what you said just now about the, the emotion with the paper, rip shred in the paper, you're, you, you are now able to logically apply your logic to that situation and say, you know, I don't like it. I don't want to experience it. But that was a shit ton of emotion that come out of you. So you're going to remember it. If, yeah. you, if you were to go back to the point in time just before that event and then, and then before that event had occurred and then acknowledge, you know, to see that little boy just before he's going to open that paper and see it. What do you think you might say to that little boy just before he does it? Knowing what you know now as a 40 year old man. Well, I would say embrace it. I would say embrace it. And what else can you say? Because otherwise you're in danger of saying cliches. And that, that's worthless. Like, you know, stuff like you might want to say, God, I mean, I don't even know. Don't worry, it'll be all right, you know. Or, you know, I think, you know, I think you look really good in that picture. They're all, they're all wrong. Just because I have it with my son. I have it with him because... He is similar to me and he is sensitive. And I'm like, man, embrace this, Bo. This is an extreme feeling that you're having. Embrace this extreme feeling. They don't come around all the time. So even if it's a negative extreme feeling, mm. do your best to embrace it while it's there. It's the best way to get through it. It's like walking towards the danger in a way, isn't it? It's like attacking your demons, you know? I would try and not make light of it, I think, because that can be a problem. Mm. This was clearly about to be a massive moment in my life. And... Only I could contextualize that because there was only me experiencing it. And to the, to the onlooker, it looked incredibly trivial. So the worst thing that, which is exactly how my parents and my sisters dealt with it, was trivialize it. Oh, what are you talking about? It's only a picture. It's nothing. Don't worry in the grand scheme of things. It's nothing. It'll be all right. That's no good. I'd have to be more like, look, embrace it. It's coming. You know, something's coming. There's a big moment coming. Got to embrace it. This is part of who you are. The way that you're about to react to this emotion is part of who you are. And you're going to need to start learning to embrace the good and the bad because there is no good and bad. Just embrace who you are. Like trivializing it to a kid is a nightmare because to them it's not trivial. No. So I think that's what I would try and get across. And, and with my son, I'm like there with him with it. I'm like, yeah, man, it's going to hurt. It stings. Let's, let, let's just get through it. Let's, let's take it. Let's take it on. It's, it's 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 a brilliant thing that you can be that self-aware with him to allow him. Be, do you know what I mean to allow him to grow? Do you know what I mean because you're sowing seeds for future generations there as well? Yeah. You know about about what it means to be a man, and that's that's something I struggled with for a long time. Yeah. As as somebody that's not allowed to cry or show your emotions. When I, when I if I went for a job, they say give me a weakness. I say I, I can tend to wear my heart on my sleeve. That's not a freaking weakness. No, exactly. <laughs> and I don't say it no more. No. You know? You should, when, if they say, give me one of your strengths, then you should say, I wear my heart. I'm oversensitive. That's one of my strengths. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm in touch with my emotions. But I mean, shit, man, that's a, that's a whole other conversation around there. <laughs> it's funny that we're similar like that. So I don't think it's true of everyone. But I think it is. Men expressing their emotions, that's an issue, man. No doubt about it. That's causing all manner of problems. Yeah. But like you said, that's an entirely different <laughs> conversation because it's a deep one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, let's look to wrap this up. Uh, 
in the future, can you tell me what would be the most craziest, the most exciting thing that Chris may be experiencing? Go for gold on this one. Go for gold, <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I'm going to. I am super interested in spirituality and where that we can take uh, human consciousness, you know, and there's plenty of things that you can watch podcast-wise and the way sort of um, science and spirituality have kind of come together in some areas when it comes to manifestation and things, but I'm excited about that. I could definitely be in a higher place, I think, when it comes to that. Like, um, even being able to um, physically do things that I um, didn't think were possible when it comes to my sort of flexibility, backflipping, all of those things into a sort of later life. I reckon I'm gonna, I reckon I'm gonna live till I'm at least 120. Yes. Um, you know, kids like my kids are like sure I'm gonna do that, but I feel you know I'm as fit and strong now as I ever was. You know, and I think, and I, forgive me if I'm going off track, but Earlier when I talked about my son teaching me how to do that back handspring, I used to be able to do a back handspring about 20 years ago. And I can remember when I did my last one and that was it. I just went, I'll never do one of them again. Well, that's it. Just, just, just resigned myself to it. Wasn't even that worried. Well, I'll never do one of them again. So then when Bo retaught it, what he was actually, he was teaching me way more than just a back handspring. I was like, holy shit. I can still do this. And I was like 20 years on, I'm 45 and I can do it. And it wasn't even that hard. I reckon I could do more tricks. So it was like, it was like that realization, man, that is a ridiculous thing that we do by, by putting ages on ourselves. And then we attach, we attach conditions to each age. We, we attach restrictions to the fucking age. It's like, okay, well, I'm 50 there for a kind of this. It's like, man, that's a mistake. I ain't going to be doing that anymore. You know? I don't, I don't really see life as linear and I know that you're not supposed to, but I genuinely don't. I don't see it as particularly linear. Like, you know, we have young apprentices working with us all the time and they're like, they might think I'm old and I'm like, mate, I'm the same age as you because we're all here now and that's the only age there is. You know, maybe the people that are gone in the past are younger than, you know, older than me and the people that are not born yet are younger, but we're all the same age right now because we're right here right now. Yeah, we've attached ages and shit to ourselves, but that's all part of it's all part of the construct, part of the system. I'm I'm pretty good already at sidestepping the system. I can act within it and I can act without it really well. And that's what I'm gonna be exploring more and more and more, you know. That ability to operate outside of it as well. Because when you get that, when you really understand that, that what we've created, we've created, and we could have created anything. So if you step outside of it, you're like, oh my God, it's just it's a wonderful void of nothingness um, that you can create anything within. That excites the hell out of me. And doing things like the cold water swimming and experiencing those extreme emotions. That's why I'm enjoying the Speak to Inspire course because it's invoking extreme emotions like just before you're about to do it in front of a live audience, that fear that you're getting, it's like meditate into that fear a little bit because it's, it's a strong emotion. Like losing is as strong an emotion as winning. Exploring those, man. I'm going to, um, yeah, shift dimensions. Love it, man. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, so you just yeah. laid some great wisdom down there, man. Uh, and I, I'm completely on level with you. I used to say, when I had my crisis a few years back, I said to them, I used to say to my wife, I've achieved nothing. I'm halfway through. And I was 41. Uh, and I had a bit of an awakening. And then, 
I'm now, as far as I'm concerned, compared to where I was, I am crushing it. Yeah. Um, I can talk about myself in a, in a way of being confident of like, I'm the best in the best shape I've ever been in in my life. I've got abs underneath fat, but I've got abs. <laughs> I am fucking ripped. I'm fucking Bruce Lee. There's no doubt about it. I know I've seen your Insta where you dived yeah. in the water in the knack. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, classic gun check Chris out on Instagram, getting in some freezing cold water. He's nuts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, no, I completely relate to that. And I, I don't like age. No. Somebody asked me how old I am. I asked my wife. Because <laughs> I don't care. It's not a- well, no, it's irrelevant. It's, it's a really irrelevant. It's a really irrelevant title. What's yeah. the fucking point of even bothering to record it by simply recording it? we're doing the wrong thing, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that's not going to be holding me back. Sure, I'm feeling like I'm on the up and up, you know? And it's exciting. Really okay. exciting. Absolutely. Okay, mate. So can you tell the audience on what platforms they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. So the best Instagram, because I've got two Instagram platforms, but one of them is our design and build company. That's just a gallery of works. Um, so that would only be relevant if that you were interested in it. And then we didn't even in- touch on interior design. So that's one of my biggest passions. We design holistically. We design all around this sort of connective nature that we've been talking about. Space affects that as much as anything else. So we're designing space in that capacity. That is, um, it's on Instagram, it's at custom.design.build. And then the better Instagram uh, page to followers on is the vegan build one which is our nutritional guide and cookbook we didn't really touch on that so i um turned my building company vegan about, about five years ago and got so good at it that we created and published our own cookbook and nutritional guide um so that instagram page is the dot vegan dot build that's the one where i'll be out sort of cold water swimming in the buff and you know just really that's the one where i'm more likely to just give my daily epiphanies and, and things like that uh, so yeah websites as well we've got custom custom hyphen uk.com it's where you'll see all of our design work and the vegan build.com is all about the book the nutritional guide you know we've got a new book coming out in the new year which is about uh, it's called the vegan build kids it's about kids bringing up kids on a vegan diet so you've got all that to come uh, all next year. It's going to be a busy year next year. It sounds like, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we need to get you back on to discuss some further stuff too. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'd love that, man. I'd love that. I feel like we only scratched the surface. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, but check out his, um, his website and his uh, Insta for the interior design. We've been on it and both of my misses, I showed my misses and I went, look at this. And, and, she, and I just brought up some of your stuff. She went, ah. Oh. <laughs> it jaw dropped I was like yeah I said that's where we want to live <laughs> and that's exactly do you know you've taken something out of our heads and we've yeah. never connected before yeah and made it so it's, it's crazy it's crazy and it's beautiful you see the background so this this is a shower of a master bedroom in the background nice. so this grizzly bear here is on enamel and that's the backdrop to the shower and it's a full open shower though. there's no enclosure just oh, nice. like a you know big shower, so you know we really, yeah, we we really try and um, have fun with the with the designs. You know, take people out of their comfort zones because they're going to become more going to become more creative if they get outside of their comfort zone. So we, 
build fun spaces, you know, spaces that you would want to live in as a kid when you come in and you're like, oh yeah, it's like a freaking tree house, you know, yes, that's the type of space that we like to create. I love it. And I certainly yeah. got that vibe from it. It's fantastic. Yeah, great. Well, Chris, I want to thank you for your time today and I want to appreciate you for your energy. Um, um, I don't know, just the way that you present in the world. I think you've got a lot to offer me and uh, oh, I'm, so I'm excited to be following yeah. your journey and uh, hopefully be part of it. Yeah, oh, well, I feel like you already are. We're part of each other's journey now, sure. I mean, from that, you know, fateful day when I felt so bombed your <laughs> <laughs> It was all good. I was, <laughs> I was chuffed because when, once we finished the, the video, I got straight on the phone to the wife. I was like, "Did you just see my post? You see the guy that jumped in?" I said, "I said he's he's cool. He's got a, he's got a cool message." Like so. <laughs> yeah, great, brilliant. Okay, mate. Well, thank you again. Let's yeah. um, let's stay in touch, yeah. Yeah, Joel. I look forward to seeing you in person again soon, and yeah, doing this again for sure. Absolutely, Chris. Thanks very much, mate. All the best. Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. My name is Joel Ingram and I am a certified NLP coach. I help passionate, resourceful and professional people who feel stuck and unfulfilled with aspects of life to rewrite their narrative and chronicle a new, engaging and captivating future. Please subscribe if you found benefit.